0: In today's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Matt Chambers. Matt is a managing director leading the Salesforce business unit for ANZ for a global professional services firm. Through the episode, we discuss Matt's journey from Salesforce consultant to managing director and everything in between. We delve into the world of services sales, discuss specialisms, selling to senior executives, the differences between product and services sales and look at the importance of having Salesforce product knowledge in a sales role. Finally, Matt gives his view on the Salesforce market in Australia at present and shares more about what is exciting him. I hope you enjoy the episode. Matt Chambers, I never ever thought I'd see the day that you would be on the podcast. Me neither. <laughs> well, it's good to have you. It's good to uh, to chat. And uh, and we, we go way back, but um, but yeah, it's really good to... To have you on the show and I'm I'm really interested in hearing more about your journey because I know you have uh, known you for about eight years but um I don't know how you got into Salesforce I don't know the kind of path you've taken to get to this point so I'm going to unpick that with you and, and find out a bit more about your background firstly tell me how did you find your way into the Salesforce space and, and what were you doing when you first got in this world this uh this lovely ecosystem
1: yeah no likewise I, I never thought I'd be here either but thanks thanks for having me um I've been wanting to do this do this for a while. I've been following your podcast intent. I think I've probably worked with uh, a good half uh, of the people you've had on. I've been in the ecosystem such a long time. So yeah, no, really happy to be here. So how did I start? Well, I, I've been in the Salesforce ecosystem now 16 years, um, which is quite a long time, probably in the in the scheme of things, particularly in the Australian market. Like I've drank drank the Salesforce Kool-Aid um, many a times and sort of spat it out. I've got a pretty pretty good understanding of, of Salesforce, what it can do and what, what the market's like and the, the realities, the intricacies of sort of how things work. But back in the day, I, I didn't. I sort of I graduated um, in 2008 uh, from Nottingham University in England. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I studied management studies, which is quite a generic degree of which time I I was studying and I finished and yeah, I I just, I knew I wanted to do something in, in business, had an interest in, in business, um, and even sales back then, but I, yeah, I I didn't have really a, a career path, um, lined up and I don't think many people, people do. And I basically just stumbled across a small business at the time based in, in Reading through a friend. Uh, or a family friend even, that was working there. And this this small business was probably about two or three years old at the time, back in 2009. And they had literally just started off the back of Salesforce. The CEO, experienced CEO, ex-IBM, just decided to start a Salesforce business because he'd seen in the early days what Salesforce could be and how much potential um, Salesforce had even back in 2008, 2009, which is still relatively early in Salesforce's journey. Had about 10 people at the time, um, and the, the office is actually by the, connected to the side of his house. So <laughs> I my, my first company, it was a small Salesforce consultancy, um, about 10 people, only four worked in this, this office and it was like a little, yeah, semi-detached plug-in to, to his house. I had like a kitchen and stuff. And I was like- wow, In
0: Reading? In Reading, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know you lived in Reading. My, uh, my wife's from Reading, I uh, the Oracle, that's the most famous part of Reading, That's right?
1: it, the Oracle, yeah. So I was there for about nine, nine, nine months to a year and yes, I mean, on day one, I didn't know what Salesforce was, right? So I remember I was Googling Salesforce before, before the job interview. And then even before I started, I was going on the Salesforce website. You know, it was the old no software logo. And I was trying to figure out what Salesforce did. I think it had just like three things it was like sales. I do not even know if I had a service. It was just the Salesforce automation. And then what was great about that, and I'm, you know, so glad I had the opportunity was because it was a small company. I was literally on client site like after a week. You know, it wasn't like a big company with formal training or anything. It was like sink or swim. It was like, we're just going to get going. Like a lot of these small, small companies do. And I was like, yeah, as I said, advising a client on Salesforce after like, a, a week or two, um, with a little bit of training, uh, and just thrown into the deep end straight away, like working with clients and having discussions about technology, which I knew a little bit about, but yeah, and I just loved it. And so I just was thrown into the Salesforce ecosystem like that. And then I've just, I've never stepped out of it really. It has been quite a, quite a journey, but yeah,
0: I sort of started by accident is probably how i'd describe it but did you see yourself as an it person then at that point like when you got that job were you like did you understand that you obviously you knew you were working with technology but were you hired because of your business like what you wanted to do from an education standpoint or were you hired as an it person
1: no i, I was i was hired because i had the right um, attitude and motivation and, and confidence that that's why i was hired I had a little bit of tech experience from from my degree, but no, I wasn't hired as an IT expert, nor would I ever position myself as an IT expert. Maybe even now, right? I'm, I'm more of a business expert, but no, I just I just stumbled into it. It's never what I what I wanted to do, but I mean, as we'll maybe get onto. So I don't Salesforce consulting is a little bit little bit of it is technology, but I think more of it is is actually around um, how you, how you talk clients how you understand their business how you transform their business using technology so i think if it was just a pure techie environment like just being a maybe developer my whole life that that wouldn't wouldn't be for me but as i progressed through the journey i sort of broadened my skill set but that that being said I did, I did i mean i did learn apex code i was once i was never a, a techie i did throw myself in and s controls were around at the time It's you guys that listen to this might might be aware it's before visual force i did did teach myself all that and did did all the training i think i got my dev 401 cert and i found it really interesting although i'd never still class myself as a techie even then i I did find it so interesting to actually learn to an extent i think that's what's great about salesforce right anyone can kind of learn different elements
0: of it fairly easily And this is before trailhead is now and now with trailhead it's even easier yeah it's crazy i mean to think that you you would have written a bit of apex code back then like if you look at the the path your career's gone on. Did you see, like obviously you didn't know what Salesforce was when you applied for the job when you interviewed and stuff, but did you immediately see, you know, this is a bit of a game changer for companies um if they they use this platform. There's a lot of opportunity here for me.
1: Yeah, I did. That that was it. That's why I, that's why I stayed in the in the ecosystem and that's um that's how I sort of planned my career from from that really. Like even then I thought staying Aligned to Salesforce, following the expected trajectory that me and others thought it would have, um, was kind of my my strategy. Like you could see how powerful the platform was back then. I think you know, again, from memory, I think they just launched the App Exchange. I think two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, so, and like you could see all this cool stuff was happening. Not not long after they they started launching all the Chatter. I think it wasn't too far off. So you could see they were doing all these cool things. Um, that as I was learning quite quickly. These, some of these other more legacy platforms like Oracle and, and SAP just, just weren't doing. And, and, you know, you could see the market and you could see just by talking to clients how interesting it was. And I think the big thing that stood out and still does is how easy it is to build on Salesforce, like how easy it is to, to do stuff. That is still what differentiates it. Like even now, I think sometimes people forget, but it's it's how easy it is as a platform to build scale install apps integrate as still the number one thing it has and that's lasted ever since so, so yeah I, I did sort of see it pretty early and that's kind of why i've sort of just wedded myself to salesforce ever since really and sort of joined companies ever since that have been either had a mature practice or been looking to build a practice since since then really
0: and uh, obviously then you moved to i believe your next move was to to australia a lot of our listeners might not have been around at that time might be kind of newer to the market and over the last few years what was the salesforce market like in australia when you moved here and when was that
1: so from that small company i joined a a large uk consulting house for, for a little bit and then i came came to australia in december 2012 the reason i was brought out at the time um was because the company i joined um were trying to build a salesforce practice and there wasn't capability there wasn't there was a lack of skills in Australia. The attack wouldn't happen now, but um, I mean, yeah, so we're talking 10, 10 years ago, right. There was a scheme back then called living away from home allowance. And there was more of a (laughs) open push to get Poms and, and um, yeah, other overseas folks that landed in, in, in Australia. So that helped. And so it was definitely easier um, to, to, to jump over. Um, I did a job interview on, on, on Skype um, and then just, just came to Australia on, on a whim, really. I um, never, have never been here before for the opportunity of a lifetime, really, to, to join an Australian Salesforce consultancy and, and help them grow the practice. And, yeah, the market was very different to, to what London was at the time. Yeah, I could probably count on my two hands how many clients were really using Salesforce at scale. I think some of the some of the telecoms clients were starting to use it. Some of the banks were starting to look at it uh, or have, have pockets of it. But no one was really using it on like a, an enterprise wide scale like you know most clients are doing now, and that's why really the resources didn't exist in Australia at the time, and that, and that's why I sort of I got the opportunity to to come. So, but it was really exciting because obviously I knew from in London the power of Salesforce, and Australia's a bit further behind some of those countries, you know, the, the UK and the US. So You could see it was going to come, um, so it was almost like starting again, joining another, not a startup, but sort of seeing that the market's going to scale, and yeah, that opportunity in Australia was just. You know too hard to turn down i've, I've not looked back i've been, here, been in australia 10 years now
0: yeah well and and at this point you're still in delivery right so you're still hands-on still building still right writing, writing your test classes and stuff yeah um, of, course. So, of course so what what back then like was a typical project if you think like your first couple of engagements in was it really just like sales cloud kind of someone buying the the, the platform through their their credit card in a sales division kind of bypassing it still
1: yeah yeah it was it was it was very much that it was um governments were starting to use it actually quite quite early on or small government government departments and also resources clients utilities clients were weirdly a first um take of it i think as they really needed just any form of crm that wasn't sap but yeah they were, they were very much just um salesforce automation implementations little bit of of service marketing wasn't wasn't a thing and it was very much short sharp engagements like come in for six weeks, build it, deploy it, write a training manual, do a little bit of training, change management, leave, go to the next one. So yeah, very, very much still single cloud, barely any integration, quite simple, really. <laughs> I think that's why I could do it back then. I probably couldn't, I probably <laughs> couldn't uh, implement a Salesforce on a six month pro project anymore, but
0: so then uh, sales, right? So I know you for, for the work you've done in the sales space. When I met you, you were in sales and um, kind of been in that space ever since. But was that an intentional move?
1: Yeah, it, well, yeah, it was. I always wanted to move more into a, like a client-facing business leadership role, because that's what consulting teaches you anyway, right? I mean, I always tell, tell our team that you, you know to be a good like consultant, even a tech, technology consultant, you need to be able to talk to clients and, and and sell essentially like you want to you sell yourself um you want to sell change requests you want to sell your continuity on the engagement um and the best way to learn that is just through spending time and um in front of clients you know presenting and um, running workshops playing back maybe something you, you've built and gaining that confidence and then if you enjoy it to a certain extent then you know look to move to a career in sales and i i sort of did i, I wanted to do sales anyway when i graduated but then yeah. Again, as you learn those things and you get more confident, and you really enjoy that side of things. Yeah. Sort of knew eventually I want to move out of day to day delivery more into a like a client facing sales role. I mean, we we'll use the term sales. It's a bit of a broad term. Um, you know, it's not like cold calling with a Do you want to buy some some Salesforce type thing? It's more long term, like strategic building relationships, working out what the business is trying to do, how to transform the business. So sales is probably a bit of a broad. Board brush but um yeah I always you knew i wanted to do it and then moved formally into a sales role at the the company i'm at now in 2015 2016 just had the opportunity to move formally into, into a role that that came up and then i've been doing sort of sales sales leadership role for the past seven or eight years
0: now do you think you can be a good salesperson without having that appreciation and, and understanding of Salesforce. Obviously, you came through the Salesforce path, right? So you you understood the platform. And yeah, it's got more complex, bigger, and more challenging to implement. But like nowadays, do you think having that product knowledge is is vital to be a good salesperson? Yeah,
1: I, I think you do. And I kind of always thought and and said that I think, yeah, you need to absolutely appreciate like, I mean, particularly so, so I'm selling, we're selling delivery, right? We're selling project delivery, not selling the software. So, you, so you're selling almost like an intangible outcome and if you haven't been in the, the weeds and understood what it takes to deliver that intangible outcome then you know you're not really best placed to, to talk about it to a, to a client and explain actually like how things are going to work like how why why it needs to take six months what are the risks challenges why you need you know four four testers and two change management resources and two trainers like you know you need to really understand and i've been there to have a trusted conversation i think with a with a buyer otherwise you know you know you haven't really walked walk the walk really and you can't really um talk talk deeply about what you're selling i mean it's different if you're selling a product which is more tangible and you can see it and this is what you're buying but if you're buying something like a six-month delivery you know it's not it's not like in front of you you have to be able to build a trusted relationship and know really intimately what you're selling in order to deliver it so yeah I'd, i do believe it the best sales people i've ever met have come from that background as well like it's like it's from experience i Generally, the, the leaders in this space have always thought of, they used to be developers, you know, they used to be techies 20 years ago, and now they're the best people that can can speak about sales on a, on a global large scale. So, yeah, it's a good question, and I, I think so.
0: And then I guess, yeah, that's that trust, right? You go in and you've been there, you've walked in their shoes. It's like it gives you instant credibility, I think, um, rather than trying to build that credibility. If you've done it already, you know, you've been on that side. It's just a, an easier conversation to have and a, an easier trust to build.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you can still be successful, having not sales is an art in itself, the ability to build,
0: build trust and
1: understand um, what clients are trying to achieve and then solution it, but it definitely um, helps. And if I was a client, I'd, I'd probably want to buy a, service from someone or people that have you know have, have delivered it before
0: what about then industries? so i know for a period of time you were um kind of specializing in the financial services space like you were you were leading a, a i guess a vertical to, to target um fins having that i guess direct uh, this is my patch like this is my industry do you feel that's beneficial like to be really targeted and and if if it is beneficial why like is it because you have to go deep and, and actually understand the pain points of that industry
1: yeah i think again i think it i think it is i think you know again you can be successful widely spread but i i do i do believe that you know the second part i guess to software consulting sales to be to be successful and i think to be really really good at it is yeah, knowing the, the technology and what a delivery looks like and then being able to articulate that um, through experience. But the second part to it is absolutely applying it to a client, but then essentially an, an industry problem, right? Like, And that's kind of what we do at our company at the moment is we, we, we go to market via industry and we look at the industry challenges and the client challenges we're trying to solve and then bring the technology in to solve those challenges, not just... Say you need this technology, or you need Salesforce. So I do think it definitely helps to to get to know an industry. I actually think it helps to get to know an industry at any level of in the Salesforce ecosystem you're working on, even as a developer or a consultant or as, or an architect. Again, the best ones I've seen in my experience have been essentially industry aligned. Like I've spent four or five years working in banking, complex environments, the nuances between institutional and corporate banking and retail banking and the differences. And then if you want to merge them together, the security issues of the data model, like that stuff's invaluable. You can't study that on Trailhead. You've got to study that through real life. And again, if I was a client, I'd want to, if I ran a bank, I was doing a big Salesforce program, I'd I'd be looking for people in every role with deep industry experience. I think that's critical.
0: And you, you had a stint in product sales. Now I, I know, like when I'm recruiting for some clients that that are on the services side, um, some of them aren't interested in people that have you know sold product, and sold licenses, and some are. Some people don't think you can do both; like you're one or the other—you sell services or you sell licenses. What would you say to that? Like, what, how did you find the the differences?
1: Yeah, I definitely can do both. Again, I've seen a lot of successful and strong software sales leaders and software sales executives that have had a long stint in. Consulting and services sales, and I've taken and leveraged that that experience in in a in a strong way. I think for me, I'm a long term services guy, and I did a short stint in in product and and, and software, and, and I'm glad I did it because it gives you a fresh lens and viewing things from from the other side. And there's a lot of similarities. You know, ultimately, uh, you know, you're selling something which is going to really really help transform a business, and and you you want to tailor it to the client's goals. So you're solving the same problem ultimately it's like a client wants to take out x amount of revenue or you know um so increase revenue or take out x amount of cost and you can even you can do that through this platform so once you've got this platform it's going to allow you to streamline processes etc or and to support that you need to deliver it it's the same end goal but the difference is and i touched on it before is when you're selling software like salesforce you're selling Product and it's real and it's like it's in front of you. You can see it. You can demo it. You can proof of concept it. But with services, again, you can't. You can't see it in a competitive services market. It's like there's so many firms now that can deliver Salesforce. You, you've got to be selling something which is it's different. And where we sell now is all around like business value. Like we 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 will sell you like a commitment to lower X amount of cost, and we'll actually commit to that. That's what we're selling you. We're not just selling you people were actually making it more more tangible so i think in a way services is is harder as a a seller i think because i probably believe that because as i said i think you can see a product it's a bit more shiny it's sexy you certainly can make it sexy but services is more of an ugly sell. way more important because if you don't do that then the product's not going to work but um yeah definitely a harder sell but again, there's there's similarities and, you know, we work really closely with Salesforce and other, and other products um, and when we go in together and we sell together, that's how similar the sales cycle is and what you're doing. So you can definitely, you can definitely do both.
0: What about then, like if you were to maybe advice to to you earlier in your career or, or another salesperson that's just starting out in their, their Salesforce sales journey, do you have any kind of golden nuggets of and tips that you, you or someone maybe you're hiring, like what, what, what would you say to someone that's starting out to to set them up for success?
1: Yeah, I think I think we touched upon quite a few of them. It would be get intricate with the with the, with the product and
0: learn the product,
1: learn Salesforce, learn what it can now do. It's developing so much; there's things you know released every couple of weeks. I can't I can't keep up myself, but you really get to know the product and the value that the product is going to bring to the client get to know the industries and get to know um, in anticipation of, of the client who you're selling to, what problems, even before you spoke to them, they might be foreseeing based on the, the industry. And and understand that it's a really competitive space, whether you're working as a software sales guy or a services sales guy. It's not an easy space at, at the moment Um in in the Australian markets, it, there's a, there's a lot of firms, there's a lot of contractors, as you know, like it, it's highly competitive. So key is, I guess, understanding how hard it is and knowing your your niche, knowing your your secret source, knowing your your pitch, and really understanding the market. I think as well, um, you know, you can't just come in and be confident and be a you know a shiny sales leader who's good at good at presenting. You really have to know know the market know the client, know the tech landscape, just make sure you've got that all in your locker. And then all the soft skills kind of come with that, right? Ability to present, ability to, you know, do stakeholder mappings and things like that. That kind of, I'd say that's almost like a given, Um, but it's all around just knowing the market and the context you're operating. And I think it's really important to be successful in this market at the moment
0: because it is, it's very competitive. Do you you find, um, obviously, sales cycles and things will be different for different size opportunities, but... For you, as like, do you get anxious the bigger the deal now? Like, is you've obviously been in the same kind of world for quite a while now, like big um, consulting firms. But has, have you got more comfortable as you've got older and, and you know more experienced pitching at that C level, or were you always quite, quite comfortable doing?
1: it? Yeah, you've always got to be quite comfortable pitching in front of anyone. I guess it's kind of a, a skill. And I think the, and the smaller hard, the smaller deals are, are as hard sometimes or more challenging than big deals sometimes i get more nervous around those ones because in the, with the bigger deals and you're engaging with c level they kind of know they know more what they want so when you're engaging with them yeah they they tend to ask more questions that you know the answer to and um, because you, you clearly know really what they're trying to do as a business leader but on the smaller deals sometimes we're not engaging with the c level because maybe the c level's not involved or it's got other priorities it's probably harder to work with with those guys, because you go into more like a lower level, like if you're engaging with like an engineering manager or a, a, a technology delivery manager, and they almost like expect more from you, and they, they they challenge you a bit more because they'll be the ones delivering it, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. so like, it's different levels of who, you, who you're pitching to, but they both have their challenges, and I don't think it's you know a CIO of a bank is more intimidating or, or challenging than an engineering manager at like a small consumer goods company for example because everyone kind of knows what what they're doing it's why they've all got a job right and everyone's going to be asking similar questions if you're more in the weeds and you're going to be responsible delivering it you're probably going to challenge that person a bit more some of the toughest pitches we've we've been in have been with yeah more mid-level manager folks really challenging you and saying or how are you going to deliver this and who's going to deliver this whereas the c-level are more just like yeah, it looks good. looks like it's going to deliver what, what I want. I trust you. Let's get it done. Type stuff. Um, yeah, show me the checkbook. So yeah, I think there's definitely differences in it. But um, yeah, ultimately, if you're confident presenting, I guess you're confident in front of, of anyone. But a, a developer or CIOs, you're still presenting in front of someone, right?
0: Still, still a face. It's funny because in recruitment, I think people, when they're learning to recruit, they see like a candidate and a client as different um it's like they're scared of clients but candidates they're happy to engage with so i just wondered as as you're going up the the ranks in sales like once you start getting to that c level is it like you do you kind of have that fear of oh, oh this is a you know this is someone that's really important compared to the the person i was dealing with that that might not quite be at that level
1: no to me it just comes down to just people are people and you know quite a lot of the more senior you get in an organization quite often they're they're very normal people. And, you know, so it's just how you engage as, as, as a person. And I think that's an important way to, to look at things in sales and in consulting is you've got to treat everyone the same, what level they're at, and just, yeah, you might get a really hard, challenging uh, stakeholder who's a very junior person in a client. They might be the biggest... Biggest issue for you, whereas the sea level might, might love what you, what, what you guys are doing, but it's still going to cause you, cause you a problem. So, no, I think treat everyone the same. And I think that's actually a really important way to look at things is you're you working in recruiting or, or sales. We're all people. We're
0: all just mm-hmm. doing a job to get paid at the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. So any regrets or anything you'd have done differently through your career?
1: I, I don't know if there is. I don't know if I wouldn't have done anything different, to be honest. I've got a bit, I've got a bit lucky in certain moves, like moving probably to Australia at the right time. So I probably wouldn't have changed that it joining the startup when I did. I didn't know about that, so I've, I've definitely got got lucky, and that's me why I probably wouldn't wouldn't change anything.
0: It's interesting that you say lucky because, like at that time, the opportunity to move to Australia was probably there for ninety percent of salesforce professionals your age in True. the UK. Yeah. So it's it's not luck because you took it. Like you know, it was a big move. You'd never been to Australia before. You're moving away from family. Like you kind of make your own luck in that instance right
1: no i i agree what you said down is kind of true i look i think the ultimate luck for me is probably um finding salesforce 15 or 16 years ago and just investing probably luck. luck wasn't then choosing to to invest in it luck was just finding it and then choosing to invest in the platform to really specialize in it's kind of what's made me pretty successful over the past 15 years so i think luck was just finding salesforce but then you know choosing to invest in following that path um which has been an incredible journey. Is yeah, probably probably my decision. But yeah, no, I probably wouldn't change anything. Mate, that sounds quite arrogant. But no, I don't know if I would change anything to be honest.
0: Well, I mean, it's led to to massive achievements, right? So you're a yeah. managing director at the moment of, of a business unit within a big consulting firm. Everyone watching this is going to be thinking it, it doesn't look old enough to be a managing director. But but I'm not lying. You are. So what does that actually mean? What do you what do you do?
1: Oh, I mean, it means it's it's, it's just a just a title at the end of the day. But I mean, in a big big consulting firm. It's it's you know a level of responsibility and, and accountability that you've really got to got to adhere to. So in our in the company I'm at now in our Salesforce group, um I'm, you know I'm a leader in, in in that team. We're a leader in the Australian market. So me and the other managing directors and and leadership team and leadership across across the firm are really responsible for driving the growth of that part of our firm delivering to our clients making sure our clients are happy making sure our shareholders are happy so it's, you know as a managing director it's just all around being responsible for your job in a way that you probably may not have been formally expected to to before and many different levels of of responsibility you know but ultimately it comes down to just delivering to our clients and making sure that our, our clients are happy and when we've got we've got 27 projects on the go at the moment just making sure that we are delivering them accordingly making sure we're, we're providing all the right Services when it comes to, to Salesforce and other technologies, um, and just making sure that, yeah, our, our, business is also driving growth and, and revenue for our shareholders as well. But yeah, in my day to day job, every day is different. You know, it's, it's just, we're such a big, big organization and there's so much going on in the, the Salesforce space. Some days it's speaking to Salesforce for many hours a day. Some days you're speaking to clients for many hours a day. Sometimes it's internally, you know, working within our own business to strategize and work out where the next opportunity could be for a particular client or sales force. And I think that's why I, why I sort of love what I what I do now in this space because yeah, every day is different. Now it's really strategizing and just how do you yeah how do you how do you build a business? How do you deliver to that client? What does that client want? Like it's almost like a strategy role. You're thinking every every day, and you wake up and every day is different. I think that's what I love about what I do at the moment.
0: So it sounds like uh, the role that you were striving for when you uh, when you got into the ecosystem. Ultimately, when you uh, when you studied what you'd studied and uh, and wanted to be in that kind of sales strategic role,
1: I think so. Yeah, going to continue learning and even expanding my knowledge still of Salesforce. i Like been in the ecosystem fifteen years, still products and stuff I don't know about. And I think again, that's why I love it. There's so much to to learn and do, and there's um, you know obviously so many client problems to be solved and. Um, Client problems change, change every single year. the way that the market's developing with the speed of technology and fintech and the startups coming in is really changing the landscape yet again the market's going through a shift again so yeah the, the journey's been good today and I'm, you know I'm happy I've had the experiences I've had through delivery to sales now to sort of strategy and leadership but yeah, I'm excited for the for the next 15 or 16 years
0: yeah nice. well I was my next question was going to be like you, you do have a fairly unique View of the market because you know you're dealing at the true enterprise level of uh, the biggest engagements uh, in in the region, right? You'll you'll have a view of, and you'll be involved in so many conversations with salesforce with customers. How do you feel about the future of the ecosystem here? It, like we've gone through, obviously the market's been challenging over the last six to twelve months, and we went through a massive boom through COVID. Everyone was hiring, there was opportunity everywhere. Like your lens on on the future, is it positive or do you have any kind of worries?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think what Salesforce showed and the market showed through COVID is that it's pretty robust, right? Like client, everyone's still trying to be close to their customers. Everyone needs technology to do that. Everyone needs services to help them do that. So I think COVID was a, was a, an interesting time, but it, it showed how resilient the, the technology space and market really is. And so, some elements of our business actually grew in COVID because clients needed more of certain products and technologies. And then since since COVID and the sort of recovery from 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 COVID, the market was a little bit slow. Um, I think, and I think that was more just nervousness that something was going to happen it happen again. But now, when now things are moving again, pretty normal, I think you'll have seen from Salesforce latest results. Like the growth in this space is 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 growing pretty pretty aggressively again. It's going to continue to do so at, at pace, I think, because of Gen AI and these these types of things that are now happening at scale not just to do with salesforce but obviously salesforce general forefront of some of that stuff this is like the next wave right like cloud computing mobile and now gen ai all that magic that comes with it a million use cases that are sort of in people's minds at the moment it's kind of the next big bubble i think the market's going to go gangbusters people need help with that people need services with that people need help figuring it out um so I think the market's in pretty good state. And also, you know, Australia's always a little bit further behind the US and, and, and the UK. So you can kind of take a trajectory from from that. And uh, pretty close to the UK market still, like that's still growing at quite a rapid rate, particularly when it comes to Salesforce and the taking of Salesforce. And I think now in the Salesforce market in Australia, clients, they all have it. Everyone has Salesforce. Everyone knows about Salesforce. It's now about like, what can you do more with the platform? How can you you know, improve your existing stack, whether it's through integration, data cloud, mule soft, whether it's through leveraging Slack, as I said, Gen AI, Einstein, maybe plugging on Commerce Cloud, a bit more of market planning track. It's all around like how you do more with the existing side. Everyone's got it for CRM and probably basic servicing. But that's what I think is a really exciting space. And the services firms like like our own is it's all around advising how you can get more from the platform. And that's an easy value conversation. So you've already got the tech. You already know about Salesforce. You can do way more with it um, if you just do this, or if you just alter your process slightly. So I think mean, that's what that's so really exciting for me, and that's what the next couple of years is going to be all around how you can get more from your your investment in this powerful technology stack. Which, as I said at the start, I still think the most powerful thing is how easy it is to do things. I still don't think clients are fully leveraging that side of things. You can change your business by maybe just spending three weeks playing around with this part of Salesforce, and you could see you know huge. Rewards. And that's a big focus for me when I'm talking to the client.
0: Yeah, amazing. Well, um, we'll have to lock in another recording in five years' time to see uh, if you're sat on a beach somewhere um, relaxing.
1: Things aren't going that well, but yeah, no, thank you very much for, uh, for having me.
0: No, no, my pleasure. Thanks for being on the show. And if anyone wants to pick your brains or ask any questions, where's the best place to find you? Just ping me on LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Ben.